If you are curious, you will learn. If you are desperate, you will discover. Moji. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her brilliant health radio, where holistic women's health expert and board certified OBGYN, Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution podcast with Dr. Kieran. Thank you so much for joining me today. I think you're going to love my guest. He's talking about really the greater meaning of your health, something like I like to call context versus content, which I go into in great depth in in other arenas. So I'll let our guest today speak for that, but see if you can discern what he's talking about context versus content. And if you still don't understand, then definitely check me out on social media after the episode to see what I am talking about. I have a whole video, I think on Facebook that I did on content versus context as it relates to your health. Anyway, my guest today is not only a board certified MD, but he has had a very illustrious career in uh, mainstream medicine, functional medicine, and he's also an initiated indigenous healer. So he has a big ginormous toolbox to use to help you heal is basically the bottom line. And the more tools you have, the more success you're going to have. And he even has his own healing journey from cancer, which is pretty amazing that he shares. So he is a great resource. We're, as always, going to tie this into your hormonal balance, why it's essential, how it ties into your hormonal balance. But we're going to get into shamanic healing today, but from someone who's got the credentials to verify that this is a thing and it's a thing that is accessible to each one of you and we'll tell you how you can start using these tools in your everyday life towards the end of the episode so I hope you will stay until the end so I'll tell you a little bit about Dr. Patrick Hannaway and then we'll get started my guest today is the 2017 recipient of the Linus Pauling Award for his pioneering work. Dr. Patrick Hannaway's main efforts are to transform medical practice through education, research, and clinical care. He is a family physician with expertise in functional medicine and leadership who has served as co-chair of the Institute of Functional Medicine's Expert Advisory Board, past president of the American Board of Integrative Holistic Medicine, executive committee for the American Board of Integrative Medicine, and he was the founding medical director of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. Dr. Hanaway is also an initiated indigenous healer by the Huicho people of the Sierra Madres and offers traditional healing ceremonies. Welcome, Dr. Patrick Hanaway. So excited to have you on the podcast today. It's great to be here, Karen. Thank you. I was super excited when I learned that you 
were initiated, and I know I don't know these words necessarily, but Maracame, an indigenous healer mm -hmm. in Mexico. And so we're going to dive into that today and okay. talk about how shamanic healing relates to hormonal healing, because you know, for me, all roads lead to hormones <laughs> and health is about hormones. Yeah, it's about balance. Um, yeah, so you've had traditional medical training, you've had a wonderful career in medicine and really root cause resolution medicine, helping so many people. I'm interested in how your journey led you to shamanic healing. It's a path I didn't plan to go on. And uh, when I first met a teacher, you know, I said, I, I have no interest in doing that, as it turned out. So 25 years ago, I had studied with uh, Tarone Lodog, who is a, a brilliant herbalist, then became a physician. And she taught me a lot about herbalism and, and my wife, Lisa. And so as we were, as she was finishing her training, Lisa was in family medicine here in Asheville. I had heard about uh, something called plant spirit medicine, which is about really connecting to the spirit of the plants. Now, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, ayahuasca and mushrooms and things like that. I'm just talking about the plants that are flowering. How do you connect to them and use them as a form of healing? And she began to learn about it. And she said, well, you, you should learn about this. I said, I'm not really interested, but she one day uh, gave me a birthday gift and said, you're going to go learn with this teacher. And I did and sat with him over the course of a year and a half. And during that time, I started having dreams and dreaming about different things and unfoldings were occurring. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening here. And then I was invited to go on a vision quest. And that vision quest was something that was transformative, you know, five days, no food or water in a in a deep, dark cave. And I learned a lot about myself and, and what was important in my life. And I knew coming out of it that I would become involved as a working with indigenous people on healing. And I'd had experience with that before, but more as a doctor working with the indigenous people, whether it was the Pueblo native people in New Mexico, where I was a, was a physician or going to the Bering Sea and working with the Yupik Eskimo people for several years. But I was being a doctor, I was interested in their medicines, but really my role was to be a dog, be a Western doctor in the, those situations. So after the, the vision quest and the unfolding, I was invited to go to visit sacred sites in Mexico and make offerings and prayers and uh, did that uh, yearly for many, many years and then was initiated, which is uh, an incredible event and opportunity. And, and from there, I've I continued to use that form of healing as part of my toolkit. Most of my work has been in the, in the functional medicine space, as you've probably you know, shared with people about. But now my career is moving to really primarily focus on that form of energetic healing or traditional healing. The word shamanic you know, comes from the Siberian sh shaman, a shaman 
And so it's been described as that's what it means across all peoples, but really each of the ways in which different peoples practice their own traditional healing is quite different from each other. And there are a number of different tools that are used to be able to help the process along of, of really connecting to people and listening to the natural world around us to be able to help them to move in a direction of balance and healing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey. And I know everybody or some people are thinking that this is so far removed from their everyday reality. It sounds like something weird and esoteric. And why why are you talking about this, Dr. Kinnon? This can't help me. I don't need this. I live in the middle of Atlanta where it's a traffic jam every day. And I'm just worried about survival. And I know for me, my journey also led me to some forms of shamanic healing plant and animal medicine. And that has been a vital part of my physical healing and my hormonal balance. So I just want to try to bridge that gap for everybody. How does a Western trained doctor, obviously you were an out-of-the-box thinker because you ended up with functional root cause resolution medicine, and we are those out-of-the-box thinkers, and I think true healers, because we went into this to help people heal, and then when we realized the toolbox we have isn't doing it, we look for better tools. So you said you were studying with, I think it was Tierra Lodog. So how did you even come to start working with her would be the question that a lot of people are thinking that she would give you a gift where you're going to go on this vision quest and that you would actually accept it because most people would not go on. And if you can talk about what a vision quest is, five days, no, I think you said no food, no water. Some people are going, what? Not in this lifetime. So help them understand. Well, I have to say that the vision quest thing felt like a little bit of a bait and switch. I didn't really understand what I was getting into. <laughs> if I did, I I might not have uh, have chosen that. But uh, when I was in residency training in New Mexico, there was a young woman who is a Lakota herbalist who was teaching and she's brilliant. And at that point in time, she was holding herbal classes and had a small school out of her garage and had a small clinic. And my wife was really interested. And, and I said, well, I'll go along. I'll, I'll learn about herbs because in my medical training, you know, I had been interested in, in food and nutrition and in mind body medicine and how do we deal with stress and guided imagery. And then, you know, hands-on osteopathic healing is sort of an evolution of kind of, as you said, looking for other tools beyond the drug for a bug, the pill for an elk, but trying to take a bigger view of that. And so, you know, Tarone taught about that. It was, uh, after that, that she chose to actually apply and go into medical school. And she's done incredible work since that time. But she was someone who had a deep understanding of herbs and plants and connecting to them in a way that was about listening. It wasn't about factual knowledge. It was about experiential connections and relationships with the plants to be able to then learn, how do I use these to help someone to heal? And the the plants and the herb medicines are often more, more subtle but have the opportunity to be more supportive of an individual in moving them back towards balance. And so we can see there's many different herbs 
you know, that can help hormonally. We recognize that and use those in, in practice as well. But the opening of deepening that relationship was the doorway for me that helped me to recognize that there's something more here. And as we often find with our teachers, it's like there's something that that person knows and embodies that is different that I'm really interested in learning more about. Okay. Help everybody understand, because I think we are so used to a mechanistic Newtonian view of our health, right? That you take a drug, it affects an enzyme, you get an effect. But how do these plants, how does, how do they work with the body? I guess we're getting specifically to the energy body, which is something that I teach women about that they don't even know that they have and is really ignored in most Western medical offices, including functional medicine offices. Many. So there's there's a lot of different components or elements to that question. And I just, uh, you're having a chance to see me on my, my front porch with the gardens behind me and the flowers blooming and the beauty that's there. And so, you know, we know, we even know from, from COVID that, you know, being out and spending time in nature is healing. You know, the opportunity to forest bathe, to connect, to feel the trees, to not be, you know, walking around on our phone or talking, you know, or listening to a podcast, it's not a bad thing. But if you're in the natural world, like connect to all the sounds and all the colors, all the smells, all of the beauty that's there. And so that's going to help change our overall physiology. When we see, we can look, look at something, you know, getting kind of technical here, looking at something like heart rate variability, which is a marker that tells us about, you know, our relationship to stress in that moment. Am I in a fight or flight? please appease kind of mode or am I in a rest and relaxation open to healing mode and we know that spending time in nature and connecting to the natural world makes a huge difference so one of the things that I am involved with I'm the board chair of a, a nonprofit retreat center in the Catskills that is a retreat center for helping people to connect to themselves each other and the natural world that's what our focus is you know getting people into the natural world and being able to feel it and move towards deeper aspects of healing so that's one aspect of what you just asked me about but then there's also the aspects around well how do hormones work and you know we can even come back and look at them from a physiologic basis of the way in which they're going to work but they're not targeted to just a very single thing they're actually targeted towards multiple different aspects of our body you know so again talking about something like covid where you know, gosh, it's interesting that the green tea extract or the green tea that I'm drinking here, you know, has an effect on multiple different aspects of the immune system all at the same time that's supportive. The same is true with the resveratrol that's in, you know, red grapes. The same is true that's in quercetin and many different kinds of, you know, supplements, but they're actually derived from the plants and from the herbs. And when we can take the whole plant or the whole herb to help us in a way that brings subtly brings balance to the system overall. And I'm, I'm just excited to jump in to talk about, you know, progesterone and, and <laughs> cortisol and testosterone and DHEA and estrogen, estrogen metabolites and hormones and, and how that all fits because that system is a system of balance. 
And when we have symptoms, men or women have symptoms, it's an indication of imbalance in that system. And so then how do we work with that, both from the food we eat, from the way in which we relate to the world, meaning and purpose, how we deal with stress, how much sleep we get, how we move, all those lifestyle things are essential for bringing balance. And then there are times where we're doing all those things the best we can and we need some additional support. And we may need that from herbs. We might need that from hormones at periods in time, or we might need that from some shamanic healing that will help us to more deeply understand where the imbalance is in our lives. Thank you for explaining that. Two que- I have so many questions from what you just said. So let's start with this one. So I still want everyone to get an idea of why would I seek out shamanic healing and what exactly is it healing in me? Because I do still think it's so removed from our regular everyday Western life that can you be more specific? And then if you want to tie in the hormone question, because you know, for me, all roads lead to hormones. So how does this tie into hormonal balance? So the aspect of... um the particular form that I work with, you know, is based upon a deep connection to the world and to listening to all of what is happening. So when I'm sitting with someone, you know, I'm not trying to figure it out in a Western way. Mm. I'm actually just listening to what is happening in the world. So I'm sitting by the fire and the person says, I've had a really difficult time in relationship to my mother and the fire starts popping all over the place or hissing or all of a sudden the birds start making lots of noise. It's like, okay, there's a a flag, there's a pointer. That's an important thing to listen to and to to move into. And, And that's just being a good doctor. It's just being a good healer. It's listening and connecting. But it's recognizing that all of the elements, it's not just about connecting to the person. It's it's everything that's happening in the world at that time. That's a very different way of thinking about it and of relating to it. You know, so when you know, just in in the world when, you know, I'm going somewhere and the car doesn't start, you know, it's like cars never not started before, but the car doesn't start. It's like, okay, there's, there's something there to listen to, you know, and I don't know what it is, but it's like, okay, now I need to really pay attention and listen. So when I'm with, you know, clients in a, in a shamanic session, it's very different than sitting with them in my functional medicine practice. In the functional medicine practice, I'm trying to sort through the root cause and listening to the story, but I've got a focus and a purpose that I'm trying to get to. Whereas when I'm working, doing a traditional healing session, my purpose is really only to be there to help that person move towards balance. And I don't know what that is, but I trust that they're going to give me the clues and the keys and the world around me is going to give me information. Some might say intuition. What is, you know, her brilliant healing? What is the whole aspect of what you talk about? And to me, it's around listening and intuition. That is the essence of what we're doing. And what I find is the more I do it, the more I realize there's a lot more there. There's a lot more to hear and listen to. And so I'll also 
if it seems useful. I'll use some tools that I've been been given over the many years of, of going on pilgrimage to sacred sites that contain, you know, energy and help along the way. So I have some tools and props to be able to help me, but those have been blessed by the places I've been and by the work that I've done. So it varies from person to person. So it's not like I could tell you that, you know, this is, you know, it happens in, in one specific way. Although when we, when I do this kind of work, I'm always sitting around the fire, you know, and connecting to listening to that primal essence of transformation. Yeah. so true that everything has meaning like that at that moment we were talking about Tierra low dog that my cat dropped my symbols that i have from bali there are no coincidences and i think that we forget that everything has meaning and when our car doesn't start there's a meaning and when we get a speeding ticket on the way to the gym like happened to me the other day that there's meaning in everything and that our life is always speaking to us and nature is always speaking to us. And I think most of us, at least I used to be very just closed off and ignorant of what my life was saying to me. And now nature and the world speak to me so clearly that it's like that caffeine that you're having with nature behind you. So I know people are wondering right now, how does this relate to my hormones most directly? Can you help them understand that? Sure. Well, uh, the way in which I look at it, Kieran, is as I, I actually move back into, you know, some of my mechanistic thinking or my, not my, the, the pathways, the flow, the dynamic action of hormones in our body. Hormones are the regulatory process that's going on. They're teaching us and guiding us about how to move in a particular way. And so we see this symphony of interrelationship that's going on. So we'll have the progesterone, the progestation, the mother hormone that is present in men and women, you know, but higher amounts in women because it, it helps to be able to allow for gestation, for birth to occur. But, but progesterone has many other effects as well. And so it is the a precursor hormone and progesterone, as you know, it can either get converted to the you know, rest and recovery hormones of the anabolic hormones of testosterone and DHEA and others, or it can go and be used as a stress hormone, as cortisol. And that's sort of a choice point that goes on. And if we're spending all of our life responding to stressors that are going on and producing more and more cortisol, what we're gonna have is less and less of those anabolic hormones of testosterone and DHEA. And those are the precursors for the estrogens and all the estrogen metabolites. You know, so we're shutting off a part of our system if we're in fight or flight response all the time. And one of the things that we've learned around neuroplasticity and the way in which the brain works is that if we had a traumatic event when we were three years old and we have a response to that, that's a fight or flight response, that when we remember that, when we're, you know, I'm 60 years old, when I remember that, I actually have the same hormonal release that's going on at that time until I've been able to work with this idea of 
of modifying the way in which my brain processes memories, neuroplasticity, and we have the capacity to do that. So now we begin to say, oh, the way in which I see things, the way in which I relate to the world in front of me, is it a challenge or is it an opportunity? Is it a, excuse me, pain in the ass or is it a lesson what is it for me to learn when i begin to change that and so the whole focus on indigenous healing is about how do we listen and move in the world in a way in balance and when things aren't working out or things aren't aren't moving there's a message there's a lesson and how do i take that and begin to move in balance again. Now that balance, it applies to the balance of our hormones as well. Not only the steroidogenic pathway that I just spoke about, but you know, also about the hormones that relate to the thyroid and the adrenal glands and the hypothalamic pituitary axis. And for me, you know, I am super interested in the gut and the gut microbiome. And that's what I've done a lot of teaching and a lot of research on, you know, and we see that the way in which the foods we're eating and the way in which we relate to the world through food and what we take into our body actually then gets carried into the brain into an area called the insular cortex that is all about our feelings and who we are and how we relate to the world and it's like oh wow that is then going to have an effect on the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, the HPA, HPAT axis. It's like, oh, these things, it's all connected. The way in which I relate to the world can, you know, I can follow the pathway through to which it's going to have an effect on, you know, just my, my overall hormonal release that's going on and the balance points that are there. So I said a lot of stuff, but to me, it's just like the human body is such a wow. There is so much going on and it's not as simple as we are, are taught in medical school in terms of, you know, pathway A and pathway B. It's a dynamic dance that's going on all the time. Oh my gosh, that was said so beautifully. I always say to my women in my program, you can't separate your physical health from how you live your life and how you feel every day. And it is the hardest thing for them to get because they've been socialized since they were babies to disconnect the two and that there's no relationship and that the doctor is the authority on their body. And when you're sick, you need to go to the doctor and get a pill for your ill. And the doctor is the expert and you don't know anything about health. And I have to help them unwind decades of social conditioning. No, you're the authority on your body. No, how you live your life. Like Bill, I do heart rate variability with them. And I train them how to to check it morning and night and work with it. And they'll get so upset and they'll say, well, my heart rate variability is not going up or it was great this morning and now it's terrible. And I go, well, what happened for you today? How did you feel? What kind of experiences do you have? And they're like, why are you asking me this? It has nothing to do with anything. I say it has everything to do with everything, right? How, how you feel. Feel your, and then the same with the blood sugar. I have them checking their blood sugar, and they get so upset, and they'll say, "Well, I didn't. I ate low glycemic, and my blood sugar shot up, you know, 40 points." Well, how are you feeling? Well, I was upset because something happened, you know. And so this realization by women at midlife 
it's almost like this betrayal. I call it medical gaslighting that they've experienced their whole lives that they've been taught that how they feel and how they live their life doesn't matter, that they can burn the candle at both ends, sleep five hours, not take care of themselves, and that their body's just supposed to keep going, you know, which usually catches up at midlife with them. And then they have to undo this. And I, I find that there's a lot of grief that women have and anger. Like, why did nobody tell me this is not fair? Why was I betrayed this way? by the medical establishment pretty much, but we've all bought into it, so we're all a part of it. And I know I'm kind of on a rant, but <laughs> you said that so beautifully, and I just want everyone to hear what you are saying. It's so important. I found when you were talking there, I mean, I agree with all of it, and you saw me, like, you know, you're talking about the blood sugar going up and, you know, like like the, the rage, the stress, the the reactivity that goes on. But I, I also want to have some compassion for our fellow physician colleagues, you know, in, I feel like it's less about betrayal and it's more about ignorance, you know, and a lack of understanding and that there are people like yourself and myself who, you know, have seen like, there's gotta be more, there's gotta be more to, to be able to do this. Like this toolkit is pretty limited because the toolkit that we're given is one that's very good for acute care. You got a pneumonia, you got sepsis, you got a heart attack, you need to be in the ICU, you know, or you get in a car crash or you need surgery. The system is very good for those kinds of things. Not always, but, you know, quite often, you know, but in terms of, of chronic care and about caring for self and moving towards wellness and optimizing health and well-being, well, the system doesn't have anything to do with that. That's not what it is. It's a disease care system, not a health care system. And so, you know, like that's what we get taught. We learn in the hospitals. We learn with the people who are super sick and, you know, in the, the quote unquote golden age of medicine, you know, as they began to have antibiotics and, and begin to have anesthesia and be able to do surgeries and deal with trauma, you know, in the 50s, 60s and early 70s, like those were great, you know, but they didn't have the tools to be able to deal with the lifestyle changes that were going on, uh, the changes in our food supply, you know, the increase in stressors that we have, the disconnection of families, you know, each of those aspects. So I, I want to not vilify our, you know, medicine and our colleagues, but just say, you know, it's a great thing for what it is. Mm -hmm. It just, people think it's the whole thing and it's really only a tiny part of what health and healing is about. So I'm so appreciative when there's, you know, other healers truly like yourself who are saying, you know, I think there's, I think there's more to this. I think that we can help. And, you know, what you've been doing in being able to teach women about this is exactly that is moving towards a much, much bigger view around healing. Yes. We have to keep perspective and have compassion because I was one of those once, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I say that they take the, the you know, the, the brightest and most caring people and, and we're, we kind of get into the system and it is how we're taught. I love how you shared this quote with me uh, before the episode from Confucius that we all have two lives to live. The second one begins when you realize you have only one. 
Talk to me a little bit about that. I have been really blessed and successful in my career of, uh, you know, both through medical school and training and, you know, being able to then understand, you know, connecting to functional medicine, you know, right at the beginning and work as a chief medical officer of a diagnostic lab and do well, you know, as an entrepreneur and then, you know, be teaching around the world and working with being asked to, to come in and start the Center for Functional Medicine at the Cleveland Clinic and doing research and publishing it in JAMA. And everyone would look at me and say like, wow, you got the brass ring. But if you looked at me for even while I'm, you know, becoming initiated, you can say, well, what hypocrisy is that? You know, that I'm gaining weight. I'm not caring for myself. I'm not doing the things. All of my attention is focused on the world and trying to do things to make it better, which is not a bad thing. But I didn't care for myself in the process and I developed um, first insulin resistance and was like, oh, I, I need to change this. And, and I changed it. You know, I changed my diet and changed uh, how I was doing things and really, you know, focused on that. And then, you know, got a, a lymph node that was positive and, you know, went in and you know, was diagnosed a little less than three years ago with stage four laryngeal cancer. There's nothing like having, you know, I, I kind of joked about it at the time, but it's like it had to be stage four because it was like stage two. I'd be like, oh, I got this, you know, I know I can take <laughs> care of this, you know, but it's like stage four. It's like, oh, my God, you know, I actually like this life is actually important. And in order to be able to continue to live and be with my family and offer whatever gifts I have, I actually have to take care of myself and I have to ask for help from other people. And those were not qualities that were cultivated in me as a kid or through our medical training in any way. And so that quote that I saw, you know, early on, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I do have a life. And I realized it's only this one. And that quote went up on my refrigerator very soon after that. And what unfolded for me, it's it's sort of a, a beautiful expression of what we've just been talking about. You know, I went to Mexico, I went on pilgrimage, I saw the native healer, the indigenous healer, you know, who helped take some things out of me, but I was having dreams and I was having dreams about, you know, going through a shoot and having, having this old one-eyed woman launching hot rocks at my head. And then my friend, the, the Jungian analyst was like, sounds a lot like radiation therapy to me. <laughs> you know, like, Interesting. And... You know, I was like, what should I do? But I, you know, ended up getting radiation therapy and chemotherapy. But I took very radical nutritional approaches during that time, you know, eating eating a ketogenic diet through a feeding tube, you know, to be able to come through. And the oncologists were like, you're not acting like the other patients who have this. Like, you're not getting really super... You know, you're not losing weight. You're not becoming emaciated. You know, it was hard, but it was like I didn't have the same side effects that other people had. And, you know, I related to all those things. It's it's all the pieces coming together. So here we have, you know, the wonders of the Western 
treatment approach, you know, with radiation and chemotherapy. But I could have been a lot worse had I not brought in a lot of nutritional aspects into what I was doing and then working with the traditional healing and also working with acupuncture and energy healing with frequency specific microcurrents. And I let people care for me and I took care of myself. And so here's an interesting part of the story I'll share from what we've been talking about. And that is, you know, I too, like look at my heart rate variability every day and what's going on. And, you know, so there I was caring for myself, eating the right diet, doing all the right things, listening to people saying my, my prayers and meditation and my heart rate. And, but I was so wiped out, I couldn't exercise. And so I, I started just wandering. I said, I gotta be outside. I started wandering outside, you know, right out the you know, the front door that, that you see, you see what my front yard looks like and going out in nature and playing in the creeks. And all of a sudden I noticed about a week later, it's like, wow, my heart rate variability has gone from like 15 to 50 on a regular basis. Everything else is pretty much the same. Spending time in nature deeply shifted something inside me. And it took me back to feeling just like being a little kid outside playing. And, you know, I think it's an example of that dynamic balance of what's going on. And, and, and part of the amazing thing to me, Kieran, is like that kind of stuff and eating the right foods can help cure cancer and heart disease. It's not, it's subtle, but it's not minimal. It's huge. And so, you know, I've shared with people, you know, when I was in med school, I was interested in food and nutrition. And I thought, wow, this can do a lot. And then when I got into, you know, residency training, I thought, oh, it can actually do more than I thought it could. And then when I was working with indigenous peoples and seeing the negative impacts of diet, I'm like, wow, it can actually do more than I thought. And in sort of in each step and then practicing functional medicine, wow, it's bigger than I thought. Going to Cleveland Clinic, working with coaches and nutritionists, wow, it's more than I thought. And then having cancer and it's like, wow, it's more than I thought. So it's that aspect of food and how we deal with the stressors in our life and that have the play on hormones that I think are the, the two most important things. Thank you so much for sharing your personal journey. That's so meaningful. And I hope everybody listening really hears what you're sharing. Yes, you did the traditional treatments, but you also really changed the way you were living your life and relating to others. And you started asking for help and letting people help you, which is hard for a lot of women. You're oftentimes the caretakers and going out in nature. And yes, the HRV improving. When I go to the beach, oh, my HRV loves the beach. So I've experienced that as well. So why don't we leave everybody, and thank you so much for all that you've shared, with some tools that they can start using in their everyday life to embrace shamanic healing. Maybe everybody's not going to go to Mexico to a shamanic healer. Maybe some people would come see you in Asheville for that type of help and healing. And I would encourage that, but maybe there's some people who aren't gonna do that. And so how can they embrace shamanic principles of healing into their everyday hormonal balanced life? 
The first thing is forest bathing. It's about spending time in nature. And so like if you live in if if you live in Atlanta, you know, go to Piedmont Park. If you can get a little further out, you know, go to Stone Mountain. But spend some time connecting to the natural world. If you're by the ocean as you are, you know, a walk along the beach. And when you do that, it's not about having a conversation about, well, what am I gonna do today or pre planning what's happening or it's really just being quiet and being in the natural world and that is one of the most important things that we can do. I can talk about all kinds of things from anti-cancer hormones to changes in the microbiome that are affected by that. But really the point is it takes some time. And even if it's just 10 minutes to be out in nature each day to connect with that and allow yourself to bathe, to feel its presence, whatever it is. I think that is the the simplest thing that can be done. I love that. And the the, the the underneath piece too is caring for self. We talked about that, but you know, it's like, that's where I think, you know, the, the biggest issue in our culture is, is like, take the time to care for, I have to care for myself so that I can care for others. If I'm caring for others and I'm not caring for myself, then I'm maybe not really caring for others. I'm actually trying to feel okay about myself by caring for others. On the airplane, put your mask on first, you know, and then help the person next to you. I think that's one of the most important things. And in, you know, my women, clients and patients, they're they're so giving, they're so expressing and offering that beautiful quality in the world. And I want to remind them, as I remind myself, offer it to yourself. Yes, I, I'm going to piggyback on that. I, The longer I do this work, the more I've come to know that my job is to help women love themselves and to, I mean, deeply love themselves, just have a love affair of their lives. And I tell them, you know, just treat yourself like your most precious, angelic friend who is you and uh, talk to yourself that way, like, oh, sweetheart, you know, you, you're so hard on yourself. Let's go for a walk and sit in the forest or in the park across the street. And I really see that as being the biggest block to people's, to women's health at midlife is that they just struggle with self-acceptance, self-love, self-nurturance, all of these things. Because once you really lean in and love yourself, the tasks you have to do become easy. Eating healthy becomes easy. Exercising becomes easy. Doing the things that are necessary. Don't you find that? Absolutely. And there will be times where, you know, you you stumble. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's human nature. So give yourself, you know, a pass. Give yourself an opportunity to say like, oh, I didn't do that so well this time. Okay, let me, let me look at, at why that happened and not beat myself up about it, but know that, you know, I'm human and that I will continue to learn and grow. Yes, and I'm going to leave everyone with this other quote that you shared, which I love. If you are curious, you will learn. 
if you are desperate, you will discover. And is that from Moji? Moji, yeah, he's a Jamaican teacher. And uh, I'd never heard of him, but I'd seen the quote and it just really touched me because I've described myself as curious, you know, at many points in time and thinking scientifically and doing that. But, you know, what I find is that the deeper learning happens when I know things aren't right and it has to change. And, you know, there's different levels of that through my life and through my career. And, it, you know, it's happening right now as I'm, you know, knowing that something has to change and I'm, I'm desperate and I'm discovering that the levels and depth of healing is far beyond what I had ever imagined. Well, I can't wait to hear the next part of your life journey because it's fascinating so far and has helped so many people. I know women listening today are deeply touched by what you've shared and your presence, your entire presence just has a calm, fully embodied sense to it that it in itself is healing. Thank you so much for joining us today. And please share with everyone how they can find out more about you, get in touch with you. Sure. So uh, my wife, who's also a physician, who's also an initiated healer, Dr. Lisa Lichtig, and I work through uh, family to family. And it's a, a clinic, a home in Asheville, North Carolina. Actually, we're going to be moving up onto our, our property just north of Asheville, uh, familytofamily.org, where you can sign up and we offer you know traditional healing and we'll be developing retreats in the future. Oh, I so look forward to that. Sign me up right now. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to give a challenge to everyone listening. Take one thing that you heard about today on the podcast and just implement that one thing. You don't have to do it all. You don't have to do it perfectly. Just one thing that you could take that you've heard about today and implement in your life on a daily basis. And I look forward to hearing about that in uh, on my Facebook page and Instagram, DM me, let me know because I want to know what you're going to do. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Patrick Hanaway. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, post it on your social media and tag me, I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science.